Yep, you guessed it. Episode 476. Just kidding. Episode 8, short story bingo. My name is Nate Chacon. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If this is your second time listening, the retention program is working. I want to thank everyone that has uh, been uh, going through the proper channels to uh, rate and subscribe on the podcast, i.e. going on iTunes and Google Play, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn Radio, and also, of course, Podbean. Um Thank you so much again to my fans out in Japan, all 14 of you. Big high five. Uh, I didn't think that it was going to be uh, an ongoing uh, thing for me to want to check how many new people are listening uh, across the geographic... The t- uh, 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 fuck, across the globe. God. <laughs> that, that, that was hard <laughs> to get out. Anyhow, uh, short story bingo episode 8. We're in full effect. But before I introduce my guests, we have the random Twitter follower shout out. And this one goes out to at ALN podcast. It's about last night podcast with Adam Ray and Brad Williams. Uh, They happen to follow me and I appreciate that shit. So you should go follow them as well at ALN podcast. With me today, I have a good friend of mine. I've known him probably for upwards about 10 years or so. I mean, probably longer. Yeah. Probably 10 years too long. Okay. Well, I mean, if that's how we're going to start. My man, Will. Will, go ahead. How's everyone doing out there in uh, podcast land? Yeah. It's uh, it's great to be here. Nate, I think this is a great idea. Uh, Original. Uh, I'm a fan of the podcast, which I'm kind of shocked because the stuff you've done in the past is just kind of like, not really about it, but this is great. So thank you for having me. I'm excited to be a guest. Hell yeah, man. Thanks. He and I actually have a different uh, podcast as well that's on the that we uh, did an interview together. It's a longer one. It was on my old show that I was doing called Synchro's Pod Show. If you're interested, whatever. I have all those episodes up as well on that particular feed. Again, if you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or Podbean, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, having said that... We are going to be reading a story called A Dream of Red Hands by none other than Bram Stoker, who brought you Bram Stoker's Dracula. I was read, Yeah. Right? Sorry. Yep. No, nah, that's fine. Fuck it. <laughs> I only, we only got like 30 seconds left before the story starts. So fucking... Um, Anyway, so I was uh, pretty intrigued when I saw when I read like the uh, first couple lines of it. I was like, yeah, well, we're going to read that. So Bram Stoker, A Dream of Red Hands with my friend Will. Drinking some beer. Short story bingo. 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 Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spare fingers. Yes. The first opinion given to me regarding Jacob Settle was a simple descriptive statement. He's a down in the mouth chap. But I found that he embodied the thoughts and ideas of all his fellow workmen. I, down okay. in the mouth? <laughs> Oh my god, already, just it's just that easy. I was like, I don't know if we want to finish the first paragraph before we cut in. Okay. Okay. There was in the phrase, a certain easy tolerance, an absence of positive feeling of any kind. 
rather than any complete opinion, which marked pretty accurately the man's place in public esteem. Still, there was some dissimilarity between this and his appearance, which unconsciously set me thinking, and by degrees. As I saw more of the place in the workmen, I came to have a special interest in him. He was, I found, forever doing kindnesses, not involving money, expenses beyond his humble means, but in the manifold ways of forethought and forbearance and self-repression, which are of the truer charities of life. Nice guy. Seems like a gent. Yeah. <clears throat> but he also seems creepy with the fucking immediate, like, well, he wasn't. his appearance wasn't... He's a he's a bit of a hobo. <laughs> what do they call him? In Hobos, hobo. I think hobo, a a transient. There I think we go. Is what, <laughs> women and children trusted him implicitly. Well, I don't know why. Uh, women and children trusted him implicitly. I have a feeling that we're not going to want to trust this guy. <laughs> women and children trusted him implicitly, though strangely enough, he rather shunned them except when anyone was sick, and then he made his appearance to help if he could. Timidly and awkwardly, he led a very solitary life, keeping house by himself in a tiny cottage, or rather hut, of one room, far on the edge of the moorland. His existence seemed so sad and solitary that I wished to cheer it up, and for the purpose took the occasion when he had both been sitting up with a child injured by me through accident to offer to lend him books. So, wait a second. So the kid, you... St- so he's hurt. He's watching a kid, but he was hurt? By them. By the, the guy, whoever's by the telling narr- the story. Yeah. yeah, so he's like, he's <clears throat> like, I wanted to be nice to the guy who happens to be nice to sick people and people who are injured, and so I ended up having hurt someone... And I still wanted to be nice to the gentleman while he was taking care of the kid that I hurt. So I gave him some books. <laughs> hey, you know. To read in his hut. In his, oh, yeah, in his tiny cottage. His, cottage. Well, tent tent city is what they think mm, they call it in. Now. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> Today. He gladly accepted. Books? What the fuck? Yes, Books! <laughs> I've never seen a book. Is this the cat in the hat? (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Oh, my God. Okay, he gladly accepted. And as we parted in the gray of the dawn, I felt that something of mutual confidence had been established between us. All right. A social handshake, as it were, I think, would maybe. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. The books were always most carefully and punctually returned. And in time, Jacob Settle and I became quite... uh, became quite friends once or twice as i crossed the moorland on sundays i looked in on him but on such occasions and it probably wasn't too hard to look in on him because because he's in a tent because <laughs> because we bring it a, to today because he's in a tent is why it's very simple to or he well he's poor yeah <laughs> hey yo hey yo jake is that you in that tent hey yo jake Okay, that's... Yep, there he is. Okay. He's, he's got my cat yeah. in the hat. He'll return it soon because no. he's punctual. Hey, don't mess my book up! <laughs> but on such occasions, once or twice as I crossed the moorland on Sundays, I looked in on him. But on such occasions, he was shy and ill at ease, so 
That I felt diffident about calling to see him. He would never under any circumstance come into my own lodgings. I don't... Uh, I need to be I need to be welcomed into your house because I'm a vampire. He's, I was mentally... Is I'm that where you were at? Bram Stoker's Dracula, yeah. the old man version. I'm seeing that as Jake. Okay. Yeah, he's in a tent okay. with a robe. I feel like that's a little too close to Dracula. He would never under any circumstance come into my own... I am mm-hmm. good. I'm good. I mean, I got... I got hella food in here, bro. Like, you definitely can, like, come in, you know. <laughs> what the fuck was that, man? It's cool. It's cool. One Sunday afternoon, I was coming back from a long walk beyond the moor. And as I passed Settle's cottage, stopped the door to say, how do you do, to him. As the door was shut, I thought he was out. And merely knocked for form's sake, or through habit, not expecting to get any answer, to my surprise, I heard a feeble voice from within. Though what was said, I could not hear. I entered at once and found Jacob lying half-dressed upon his bed. Jesus. He was pale as death. And the sweat was simply rolling off his face. His hands were unconsciously gripping the bedclothes as a drowning man holds on to whatever he may grasp. As I came in, he half arose. Huh? Who there? <laughs> Who there? Who there? Show your face. I entered. Okay. As I came in, he half arose, with a wild, hunted look in his eyes, which were wide open and staring, as though something of horror had come before him. But when he recognized me, he sank back on the couch with a smothered sob of relief and closed his eyes. I stood by him for a while, quite a minute or two, while he gasped. Then he opened his eyes and looked at me, but with such a despairing, woeful expression that, as I am a living man, I would rather have seen that frozen look of horror. I sat down beside him and asked for his health. For a while, he would not answer me except to say that he was not ill But then, after scrutinizing me closely, he half arose on his elbow and said, I thank you kindly, sir, but I'm simply telling you the truth. I am not ill, as men call it, though God knows whether there be not worse sicknesses than doctors know of. I'll tell you, as you are so kind... But I trust that you won't even mention such a thing to a living soul, for it might work me more and greater woe. I am suffering from a bad dream. A bad dream? I said, hoping to cheer him. But dreams pass away with the light, even with waking. Yo, B. It's a daydream. <laughs> it's a day- He's a day-tripper. Fucking crazy, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, dude. It's a bad dream. Mm. Mm, okay. Even with waking. There I stopped. For before he spoke, I saw the answer in his desolate look round the little place. No, no. That's all well for people that live in comfort. And with those they love around them. It is a thousand times worse for those who live alone and have to do so. What cheer is there for me? 
Waking here in the silence of the night, with the wide moor around me full of voices and full of faces that make my waking a worse dream than my sleep. Ah, young sir, you have no past to consent its legions to people, the darkness and the empty space. Changing the page. Page turn. <laughs> and I pray, good God, that you may never have. As he spoke, there was such an almost irresistible gravity of conviction in his manner that I abandoned my remonstrance about his solitary life. I felt that I was in the presence of some secret influence which I could not fathom. To my relief, for I knew not what to say, he went on. Two nights passed since have I two nights passed have I dreamed it. It was hard enough the first night, but I came through it. Last night the expectation was in itself almost worse than the dream. Until the dream came. And then it swept away every remembrance of lesser pain. I stayed awake till just before the dawn and then it came again. And ever since I have been in such an agony as I am sure the dying feel. And with it all the dread of tonight. Before he got to the end of the sentence, my mind was made up and I felt that I could speak to him more cheerfully. Try and get to sleep early tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man. I know you're having these night terrors, but just go to bed early. Hey, pop pop in the old bed quicker. I feel like a lack of sleep may be your problem. Right. I'm not... Look, I'm not a doctor. I mean, I... I'm not. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm really not. Yeah, I feel like it's... I, I, maybe he's, like, going through some sort of, like, dementia, and he's just like, and I just keep on going. <laughs> it's not. Try and, get to sl- try and get to sleep early tonight. In fact, before the evening had passed away, the sleep will refresh you, and I promise you there will not be any bad dreams after tonight. He shook his head hopelessly. So I sat a little longer and then left him. When I got home, I made my arrangements for the night. For I had made up my mind to share Jacob Settle's lonely vigil and his cottage on the moor. I judged that if he got to sleep before sunset, he would wake well before midnight. And so, just as the bells of the city were striking eleven, I stood opposite his door armed with a bag in which were my supper an extra large flask a couple <laughs> yeah okay a couple of candles and a book okay hold on so he's outside his door with these things in his bag yep jeez okay so it sounds like it's going to be a i mean the extra large flask is super specific but i i like that yeah a couple of candles that's where it gets weird and a book mhm what well, okay the moonlight was bright and flooded the whole moor till it was almost as light as day. But ever and anon black clouds drove across the sky and made a darkness by which comparison seemed almost tangible. I opened the door softly and entered without waking Jacob, who lay asleep with his white face upward. He was still and again bathed in sweat. I tried to imagine what visions were passing before those closed eyes, 
which could bring with them the misery and woe which were stamped on the face, but fancy failed me, and I waited for the awakening. It came suddenly, and in a fashion which touched me to the quick, for the hollow groan that broke from the man's white lips as if he half arose and sank back was manifestly the realization or completion of some train of thought which had gone before. If this be dreaming, I said to myself, then it must be based on some very terrible reality. What could have been that unhappy fact that he spoke of? While I thus spoke, he realized that I was with him. That's scary enough. Welcome to my home. I didn't know you were here. I just woke up. And you're standing there with a flask and four candles. And catcher in the rye. Jesus. <laughs> oh my god! That's fucking creepy, dude. You like wake up, you're like, who the f- Yeah, you think, wonder why he's having nightmares because you keep sneaking yeah. into his home while he's asleep. P.S. Yeah, how are we not talking about the fact that he's breaking into this guy's house? And he didn't even ask him. He At didn't all. say, hey, could you come check on me in the night because I'm having night terrors? No. You just decided to, I don't know, break into his home and sit there and watch him <laughs> sleep. Oh my god, break into his home. He's just like, well, he didn't answer. I don't even, he didn't knock. No. Okay, that's right. He he didn't knock. The first time he knocked, and then he just walked in. I mean, I have great friends, but if I say, if I don't say anything, I don't expect him to walk into my home. Right. I'd freak out just like this guy. Right, this guy's, but he's like half dead. There's that. Right, so like, (laughs) what's going on with this cat? He's like, wait, he's like, (laughs) White lips. Why are not now all you here? <laughs> okay. While I thus spoke, he realized that I was with him. It struck me as strange that he had no period of that doubt as to whether dream or reality surrounded him, which commonly marks an expected environment of waking men. With a positive cry of joy, he seized my hand and held it in his two wet, trembling hands, as a frightened child clings on to someone whom it loves. I tried to soothe him. There, there. It is all right. I've come to stay with you tonight, and together we will try to fight this evil dream. He let my hand go suddenly and sank back on his bed and covered his eyes with his hands. Fight it. The evil dream? Ah, no, sir, no. No mortal power can fight that dream. For it comes from God and is burned in here. And he beat upon his forehead. Then he went on. It is the same dream, ever the same, and yet it grows in its power to torture me every time it comes. What's the dream? I asked thinking that the speaking of it might give him some relief. But he shrank away from me, and after a long pause said, No, I had better not tell it. It may not come again. There was manifestly something to conceal from me, something that lay behind the dream. So I answered, All right, um, I hope you have seen the last of it. But if it should come again, you will tell me, will you not? 
I ask not out of curiosity, but because I think it may relieve you to speak. He answered with what I thought was almost an undue amount of solemnity. If it comes again, I shall tell you all. I feel like at this point, like, it's kind of getting creepy. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, Mm -hmm. are you okay, man? You know what I'm saying? Like, I like, like all joking and shot. You're like, yo, man, are you all right? I I get you're having nightmares, but it's now it's getting weird. Right. Yeah. Well, like the way that he's uh, talking about him too, as far as like being vague, but, abruptly on point with how mm-hmm. like tan like how tangible even though he's describing them like how tangible like listening to it like you could feel it and you're like dude mm-hmm. there's something there and like you're gonna tell us like if something crazy happens right and he's like yeah i'll tell you maybe probably not that's what's so good uh about bram or any like really good horror author right is uh i mean they're not telling you what it is so it gives you room to think what, what we're doing right now. Yeah. Well, you're just freaked out and you think of the scariest shit possible. Right. And it could be something I – mean, I know it's not going to be, but it could be something very mediocre mm-hmm. as far as, like, what's ailing this gentleman, Jacob Settle. <clears throat> then I tried to get his mind away from the subject to more mundane things. So I produced supper and made him share it with me, including the contents of the flask. I don't think he made him do that. No, I think he probably took the flask before he offered. (laughs) That's all we had, man. Jay! Hey, yo, Jay! Where am I? Fuck. (laughs) After a little, I don't know. After a little, he braced up. And when I lit my cigar, having given him another, we smoked a full hour. God. He's on his deathbed, and you're giving him... Right. Sorry. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, he's like ah, you Here. know what? We're I already... guess this is old times, though. They didn't know that that was going to kill you. Well, yeah. Duh. And I, dude, there was... Tangent. I was, I was, I was uh, going down the YouTube wormhole, and I uh, came across old um, cigarette commercials. Mm-hmm. I don't know when was the last time you went down that wormhole. I'm sure it hasn't been for like years. But when you, if you guys do, just Google or YouTube and the search old. Um, I put I put 50s cigarette commercials, and like there's no talking, there's no mention that like it's bad for you. Yeah, it's like fucking the thing to do. Mm-hmm. Imagine in. 40 years what we're going to have on TV that we'll be like, oh, God, that was a commercial for canned ham and didn't tell us that we were going to cause this oh, I've known that I've known that spam is definitely bad for you since it's fucking been, I mean. Since its inception. Are you a big spam fan? Nope. Okay, good. I, <laughs> I, I, was, I, I was about to end the fucking podcast, right? No, I my girl fucking loves it. I, there's a lot of, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with unicorn meat, but. I don't know. It's, Fuck it's spam. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Little by little, the comfort of his body stole over his mind. And I could see sleep laying her gentle hands on his eyelids. He felt it, too. 
and told me that now he felt alright and I might safely leave him. But I told him that right or wrong I was going to see into the daylight. So I lit my other candle and began to read as he fell asleep. By degrees I got interested in my book. So interested that presently I was startled by its dropping out of my hands. So not very interesting. Right, exactly. (laughs) I looked and saw that Jacob was still asleep, and I was rejoiced to see that there was on his face a look of unwanted happiness. While his lips seemed to move with unspoken words. Oh, God. That's creepy. (laughs) Then I turned to my work again, and again woke. But this time to feel chilled to my very marrow by hearing the voice from the bed beside me. Not with those red hands. Never, never. I'm looking at him. I found that he was still asleep. He woke, however, in an instant and did not seem surprised to see me. There was again that strange apathy as to his surroundings. Then I said, Settle, tell me your dream. You may speak freely. For I shall hold your confidence sacred while we both live. I shall never mention what you may choose to tell me. He replied, I said I would. But I had better tell you first that what goes on before the dream that you may understand. I was a schoolmaster when I was a very young man. It was only a parish school in a little village in the West Country. No need to mention any names. Better not. I was engaged to be married to a young girl whom I loved and almost reverenced. It was the old story. While we were waiting for the time when we could afford to set up house together, another man came along. He was nearly as young as I was, and handsome, and a gentleman with all a gentleman's attractive ways for a woman of our class. He would go fishing, and she would meet him while I was at my work in school. Fucking ass. God. Here comes Sancho. Here we... I reasoned with her and implored her to give him up. I offered to get married at once. That's not the way to do it. God. That's, uh, I'll fucking marry you. Look, I'll fucking marry you. I know that he came along, but I'll fuck. Uh, I'll just. I, I'm sorry I didn't ask you. I'm sorry. I know I was supposed to ask you six months ago. Karen, get the get over here. And then you're on Maury six months later. Right. God. I offered to get married at once and go away and begin the world in a strange country. But she would not listen to anything I could say. And I could see that she was infatuated with him. Then I took it on myself to meet the man and ask him to deal well with the girl. Uh, what? <laughs> All right, bro. Look, UK, you win, but like, fucking treat her right, bro. You know what I'm saying? Why would treat you? Her good. I, nobody does that. No. Nobody. Then I t- then I took it up on myself to meet the man and ask him to deal. What are you, her father? <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. Maybe they did it. I mean, is that like in? An endearing thing to do, like to to talk to the dude that's stealing your chick. I mean, I guess it's better than going to jail after you whoop his ass. Well, in in a um, in the standpoint of you know culture and such. Okay, but as a man, no. <laughs> but but <laughs> but as a man, absolutely not. So no. Then I took it on myself to meet the man and ask him to deal with that with the girl. Deal well with the girl. 
for I thought he might mean honestly by her, so that there might be no talk or chance of talk on the part of others. I went where I should meet with him. I went where I, I went where I should meet him with none by, and we met. Here, Jacob Settle had a pause, for something seemed to rise in his throat, and he almost gasped for breath. Then he went on. Sir, as God is above us, there was no selfish thought in my heart that day. I loved my pretty Mabel too well to be content with a part of her love. And I had thought of my own unhappiness too often not to have come to realize that whatever might come to her, my hope was gone. He was insolent to me, you, sir, who are a gentleman cannot know perhaps how galling can be the insolence of one who is above you in station but I bore with that I implored him to deal well with the girl for what might be only a pastime of an idle hour with him might be the breaking of her heart for I never had a thought of her truth or that the worst of harm could come to her it was only the unhappiness to her heart I feared but when I asked him when he intended to marry her, his laughter galled me so that I lost my temper and told him that I would not stand by and see her life made unhappy. Then he grew angry too, and in his anger said such cruel things of her that then and there I swore she should not live to do her harm. God knows how it came about, for in such moments of passion it is hard to remember the steps from a word to a blow. But I found myself standing over his dead body with my hands crimson with the blood that welled from his torn throat. We were alone and he was a stranger with none of his kin to seek for him and murdered us. Not always out, not all at once. His bones may be whitening still for all I know in the pool of the river where I left him. No one suspected his absence, or why it was, except my poor Mabel, and she dared not to speak. But it was all in vain, for when I came back again after an absence of months, for I could not live in the place, I learned that her shame had come and that she had died in it. Hitherto I had been borne up the thought that my ill deed had saved her future, but now, when I learned that I had been too late and that my poor love was smirched with that man's sin, I fled away with the sense of my useless guilt upon me more heavenly than I could ever bear. Ah, sir, you that have not done such a sin don't know what it is to carry it with you. You may think that custom makes it easy to you, but it is not so. It grows and grows with every hour till it becomes intolerable. And with it growing, too, the feeling that you must forever stand outside heaven. You don't know what that means, and I pray God that you never may. Ordinary men, to whom all things are possible, don't often, if ever, think of heaven. 
It is a name and nothing more, and they are content to wait and let things be. But to those who are doomed to be shut out forever, you cannot think what it means. You cannot guess or measure the terrible, endless longing to see the gates open and be able to join the white figures within. I could just imagine dudes just sitting there like... Wanting to say something? Yeah, just... And then... So then you ripped his... his, So you were in the friend zone the whole time, and now you're... Oh, you killed the man. I think that's what it was. He was friend-zoned, and he didn't know it. (laughs) He 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 couldn't handle being friend-zoned. And he... P.S. Thought it was a good idea to be like, okay, well, let's... You know, let's just go... Look, I just want to... Why did the dude even... No, you could tell me what you want to say here. Exactly. Why do we have to go out to the fucking woods? That's, uh... I mean, that's a bad idea in itself. Uh, Let's go to the woods and and talk about you taking my woman. But I want you to treat her well, so let's just go chat about it. Hey, man, look, I'm not going to do anything crazy, like... Flip out! Come to the woods. Come on, man. Come on. are you gonna take that axe with you? Nah, oh, well, I don't know. We might, we might need a. It's not an axe. It's a hatchet. It's smaller than an axe. Smaller. Don't be, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy. That's a weird thing to do, and especially being told that story. Like I can imagine myself just being there. Like I thought I knew you, man. I thought I was helping you. Turns out you just have PTSD. Yeah, I thought you were just some transient that liked helping sick kids and reading my books and was having nightmares but now you're fucking crazy you're right and then how do you how do you exit that i don't know if you can <laughs> i don't I, yeah, I, I think, think we're about to find out but i don't <laughs> think there's a easy way out and this brings me to my dream it seemed that the portal was before me with great gates of massive steel with bars of the thickness of a mast rising to the very clouds and so close that between them was just a glimpse of a crystal grotto on whose shining walls were figured many white clad forms with faces radiant with joy when i stood before the gate my heart and my soul were so full of rapture and longing that i forgot and there stood at the gate two mighty angels sweeping with wings and oh so stern of countenance they held each other in one hand a flaming sword, and in the other, the latchet, which moved to and fro at their lightest touch. Near were figures all draped in black, with heads covered so that only the eyes were seen, and they handed to each who came white garments such as the angels wear. A low murmur came that told all should put on their robes, And without soil, or the angels would not pass them in, but would smite them down with the flaming swords. I was eager to don my own garment, and hurriedly threw it over me and stepped swiftly to the gate. But it moved not, and the angels, loosing the latchet, pointed to my dress. I looked down and was aghast, for the whole robe was smeared with blood. My hands were red. They glittered with the blood that dripped from them as on that day by the riverbank. And then the angels raised their flaming swords to smite me down. And the horror was complete. I awoke again and again and again. That awful dream comes to me. 
I never learn from the experience. I never remember. But at the beginning, the hope is ever there to make the end more appalling. And I know, and I know that the dream does not come out of the common darkness where the dreams abide. But that it is sent from God as a punishment. Never, never shall I be able to pass the gate. For the soil and the angel garments must ever come from these bloody hands. <laughs> I listened. As in a spell as Jacob Settle spoke. So we were right. Yeah. Anyone tea? Anyone want tea? The flask is all gone. <laughs> Just Nothing left. The, in flat, the flask. I'm not drunk enough for the, this shit. The flask. I don't know if you... Do you have... Anything in your hut? No, okay. Mm-mm. No, that's fine. Yeah. Just keep telling your story. Blood all over you. Right. I'm, I'm Swords here with and you. angels and such. God. I don't know. Are we praying together? I don't... Is that what mm. we're doing? I don't know if... Say a few Hail Marys. I've said a couple already. I don't know if you want to piggyback or... Because... <laughs> ah, go ahead. You're fine. King James version or the first one? I don't know what you prefer, but I maybe know. we'll just do both. I like the first part of Genesis, so I don't know if you want to start it or you want me to start it, or if we can just—I can leave. I could leave. Can I'll I leave? I'll just leave it here for you. You like books, so you do like books. <laughs> I'll take my cat in the hat. I'll leave the King James version. I'm going to take the candles too. I—I'm—I'm I'm really going to take the candles just because Fred he made them for me and. I mean, it would be rude if I left him here. I'm just going to take everything and roll. See ya, Jacob. <laughs> See ya, Jacob. I listened as in spell as Jacob Settle spoke. There was something so far away in the tone of his voice. Something so dreamy and mystic in the eyes that looked as if through me at some spirit beyond. Something so lofty in his very diction and in such marked contrast to his work-worn, work-worn clothes and his poor surroundings that I wondered if the whole thing were not a dream. He's crazy. That's what he's saying. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like. I thought that was part of the story. Nah, yeah, that, it's like, jeez. Right, yeah. Damn, Finally, Bram. Jesus. All right, Bram, <laughs> thank God for saying what we've been thinking. <laughs> no, that's. I think that's what he's like. He's fucking just poor and crazy. Yeah, like a little off his rocker. We were both silent for a long time. That's that, like, that tapping that you hear. You're like. Weather's <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 been horrible, right? <laughs> oh, man. Clouds. Am I right? Cumulus. Sorry. That was my fault. I that was the Jameson we drank from That last tap is what got me. We were both silent for a long time. I kept looking at the man before me in growing wonderment. Now that his confession had been made his soul, which had been crushed to the very earth, and the other dude probably was fucking... The, oh, my God. The other dude's dead, but whatever, right? Mm. Fuck me, huh? No, that his confession had been made. His soul, which had been crushed to the very earth, seemed to leap back again to uprightness with some resilient force. 
I suppose I ought to have been horrified with his story. But, strange to say, I was not. It certainly is not pleasant to be made the recipient of the confidence of a murderer. But, but this poor fellow seemed to have had not only so much provocation, but so much self-denying purpose in his deed of blood that I did not feel called upon to pass judgment upon him. My purpose was to comfort. So as I spoke out with that calmness I could, for my heart was beating fast and heavily. You need not despair, Jacob Settle. God is very good, and his mercy is great. Live on and work on in the hope that someday you may feel that you have atoned for the past. Here I pause, for I could see that deep, natural sleep this time was creeping upon him. That's the heroin kicking in. That's yeah. What the, at this point, I can see deep. Not is that what? It, <laughs> he's just passing out. He's like, okay, now go ahead, guys. Nap, <laughs> nap. Was creeping. Up. Okay, deep. Uh, here I pause, for I can see the deep, natural sleep this time was creeping upon him. Go to sleep, I said. I shall watch with you here, and we shall have no more evil dreams tonight. He made an effort to pull himself together and answered, I don't know how to thank you for your goodness to me this night, but I think you had the best, but I think you had best leave me now. I'll try and sleep this out. I feel a weight off my mind since I have told you all. If there's anything of the man left in me, I must try and fight out life alone. I'll go tonight as you, as you wish it, I said. But take my advice and do not live in such a solitary way. Go among men and women. Live among them. You're encouraging a murderer yeah. to go. Yeah, just. Hey, Ted, uh, Ted Bundy, just mingle with folks at this party. Go on ahead. Go on. Go. You need to meet new people. You know, I heard what you said, and I got to tell you. You got to get out more. Why uh, going? Why is he just hanging around sick people and sick kids? I don't know, but I think we're gonna find out. Uh, I fucking hope so because uh, it's weird to me that that's who he hangs with. Is he just like, uh, oh, they're gonna die anyway? I wonder if he's. Or I'm just he... gonna say. I'm just gonna say. I feel like he's dead. I feel like Jacob Settle's already dead. And he... I haven't read this. I'm not fucking. I'm just. Do, if it's a spoiler, then I just spoiled it for myself too. But. I think I think that Jacob Settle's already dead. This guy just barely met him and he's been entranced by him. And even though that his story doesn't like creep the dude out, the narrator, he's like he's he's still like eerily like uh intrigued by Jacob Settle and his story. Mm. And Jacob's like, you can beat it, man. That's cool. Yeah. I'll figure this out. What if the narrator is Jacob? Shut the fuck up. Little mul- multiple personality. He's speaking to himself. Oh, my God. Well, we're about, we're to, about, we're about, to, about to find, find out. out. <laughs> we're about to find out. But first, a word from our sponsors. Just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, that could that could be you. Fucking Target. Michelob. Michelob Ultra Light. 
when you're reading a short story and you don't know what the fuck's going on. Michelob Ultra Light. 2.6 carbs per bottle. 95 Michelob calories. Ultra Light. <sighs> I'll go tonight as you wish it, I said, but take my advice and do not live in such a solitary way. Go among men and women. Live among them. Share their joys and sorrows. And it'll help you too forget. This solitude will make you melancholy mad. I will, he answered, half unconsciously, for sleep was overmastering him. I turned to go and he looked after me. When I had touched the latch, I dropped it and coming back to the bed, held out my hand. He grasped it with both. He grasped me with both his as he rose to a sitting posture. God. And I said my goodnight, trying to cheer him. Heart, man, heart. There is work in the world for you to do, Jacob Settle. You can wear those white robes yet and pass through the gates of steel. Then I left him. A week after, I found his cottage deserted. And on asking at the works was told that he had gone north. No one exactly knew whether. Two years afterward, just jumps to two years later. I love how he didn't go see him after. Like the next day, he a week later, well, let's go back and... I, I, oh yeah, I forgot. I was hanging out with Jacob and he was totally fucked up. Let's just go back and see how he's doing. Yeah, he didn't just go the next... Well, I mean, I feel like he was just confident in the fact that... like He's like, oh, Jake's got it. I can <laughs> see that. Yeah, I, can, I mean, yeah. awkwardly, I can see that. But also, like... How are you not telling, like, a doctor... Because he is clearly stated within this story that he's, like, half-deathly pale. Yeah. White lips. Nobody has white lips. Nobody, except except for people that are dead. <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula had white lips. Well, yeah. And him. There yeah. We go. And people... No, their lips go... I was going to say people that are being uh, asphyxiated, but their lips go blue or purple. Mm-hmm. He's dead. There's no circulation. That's why his lips are white. Unless. Nope. Nah. Mm -mm. Nah. He's dead. (laughs) Nah, he's dead. Two years afterwards, I was staying for a few days with my friend, Dr. Monroe in Glasgow. He was a busy man and could not spare much time for going about with me. So I spent my days in excursions to the Trossachs and Loch Katrine and down the Clyde. On the second last evening of my stay, I came back somewhat later than I had arranged, but found that my host was late too. The maid told me that he had been sent to the hospital. A case of accident at the gas works. And the dinner was postponed an hour. So telling her I would stroll down to find her master and walk back with him, I went out. At the hospital, I found him washing his hands preparatory for start to starting for home. Casually, I asked him what his case was. Oh, the usual thing. A rotten rope and men's lives of no account. Two men were working in a gasometer when the rope that held their scaffolding broke. It must have occurred just before the dinner hour, for no one noticed their absence till the men had returned. There was about mm, seven feet of water in the gasometer, so they had a hard fight for it, poor fellows. (laughs) However, one of them was alive. Just alive. But we have had a hard job to pull him through. It seems that he owes his life to his mate. 
for I have never heard of greater heroism. They swarmed together while their strength lasted, but at the end they were so done up that even the lights above and the men slung with ropes, coming down to help them, could not keep them up. But one of them stood at the bottom and held up his comrade over his head, and those few breaths made all the difference between life and death. They were a shocking sight when they were taken out, for that water is like a purple dye with the gas in the atar. The man upstairs looked as if he had been washed in blood. Ugh. Jesus. And the other? Well, he's worse still. But he must have been a very noble fellow. That struggle under the water must have been fearful. One could see by that one could see that by the way the blood had been drawn from the, the extremities. It makes the idea of the stigmata possible to look at him. Resolution like resolution like this could I don't know, you would think to do anything in the world. Hey, it might almost unbar the gates of heaven. Look here, old man. It is not a very pleasant sight, especially just before dinner, but you are a writer and this is just an odd case. Here is something you would like not to miss, for in all human probability you will never see anything like it again. While he was speaking, he had brought me into the mortuary of the hospital. On the buyer lay a body covered with a white sheet, which was wrapped close around it. Looks like a chrysalis, don't it? I say, Jack, if there be anything in the old myth that a soul is typified by, typified by a butterfly, well, then the one that this chrysalis sent forth was a very noble specimen and took all the sunlight on its wings. See here! He uncovered the face. Horrible indeed. It looked as though stained with blood. But I knew him at once. Jacob Settle. My friend pulled the whining sheep further down. That's what the fuck happened. He fucking saved himself, atoned himself by fucking saving that other dude. How did he get all this strength after being on his deathbed, though? I have no idea. Mm. God. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Because <laughs> these are questions that I asked. It could not have been that serious. You could not. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, go ahead. I'm <clears throat> okay. The hands were crossed on the purple breast that they had been reverently placed by some tender-hearted person. As I saw them there, my heart throbbed with get. My as I saw them there, my heart throbbed with a great exultation. For the memory of his harrowing dream rushed across my mind. There was no stain now on those poor brave hands, for they were blanched white as snow. And somehow as I looked, I felt that the evil dream was all over. That noble soul had won a way through the gate at last. The white robe, the white robe had now no stain from the hands that put it on. That's it. That's the end? That's the end. <clears throat> Bram let me down. Did he? Here's the thing. Okay. Maybe I just was thinking too much going into it. But So he's having these nightmares. Oh, God, they're terrible. They follow me. They they come to me in the daytime as well. So is the narrator, who we never got his name. At all. Yeah. P.S. You know, ask questions. It it gives you the sense that something horrible is haunting this guy, right? Well, I mean, it kind of is. But hold Continue. on, I'm, right. I'm talking about like a 
dark. Okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. He killed somebody, and it was it was on his conscience. And then he just tells the narrator that, "Hey, I killed somebody. This is what happened." And then he's okay. Like he's not on his deathbed anymore, and he's working with some. I mean, what the hell was he doing on some scaffolding? Yeah. So he, he was. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I mean he was working like at a gas. Like a, a uh, like a quarry or something like that. They they were producing gas, so I would imagine something like like natural gas or something. Yeah. And so I think what happened is that Jacob, after he told dude, and we'll just call him Bill. Bill. He told Bill his testimony. Hmm. He got it off of his chest and was like. Ugh, God, yeah, I'm glad exactly. I got that I'm off my chest. Glad I figured that one out. Now I can go back to working in the oil fields. Right. Jesus. Right. I can get out of this shit hole. I, I was in a tent helping sick kids and reading books. And, and now I can just go out. So I think that, well, I mean, well, let me just say that and you get back to your point. But I want to insert that in there that I think that he... What said his testimony was like, now I can live life. So I almost think that it's like that part in Rudy when when they're in the okay. when they're in the or the in the steel factory mm-hmm. and doesn't doesn't he like save his dad or tries to save his dad or his brother Rudy's brother saves Rudy or something like that. I'm gonna have to go back and watch. Yeah, so he does. He, he somebody gets saved in there. No, it's the it's the, Rudy's brother that saves, and because he had been a dick like the whole time, there was like sim. There was a symbolism behind his death within the story that, and it's a true story of that. But like they, you know, Hollywood made it a little different. But like there was a symbolism in his atonement for his testimony by him doing something valiant by um doing some brave shit right mm. and so i think that i honestly i don't think that this like it's creepy there's some creepy parts but i think that ultimately this is a story of like bravery and atonement but also super fucking weird that this dude like confessed to a murder and then was like and in his confession was like and no one knew that he was going to be missing, so... Yeah, it was just... Nobody knew this guy, he's dead. The one thing that was sad is when you find out the girl that he was in love with is dead as well. Yeah! No one touches on that! Yeah, just like, oh, and by the way, she died. And then she died, yeah. How? And he, I'm sure by a broken heart. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's a thing! Yeah, no, sure, sure it is. It's a thing, I think that this story is all over the fucking place. I think that... I felt like I was in a horror film for a minute. Right. And then some kind of like, uh, you know, crime story. And then it was just like I was in a Christian film about saving yourself. and Yeah. Very... It touched all bases. It did touch all bases. And it definitely didn't like, like... I'm glad that you brought up the woman part not being touched on more as far as, like, she died. And that was, like, his love, so... And that's why he's in this predicament, because right. he was so in love with her, and he killed this guy who just laughed at him. Right. Because he was like, treat her good. <laughs> I'm not marrying her. Yeah. Throw out. That's episode eight. Short story bingo. Uh, a dream of red hands. Now I get it.
Mm. And so do you by Bram Stoker. I got this on AmericanLiterature.com. You can go – that's a really awesome website to go on to if you um, are like me and enjoy reading, um, whether it's a short story or a chapter of a uh, of a book that uh, was – uh, you know, classic, as it were. Um, they have uh, a gamut of stories that I'll be reading as well. I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for shit like that. But, Will, I appreciate you being here. Yes, thank you. I had a lot of fun. Um, do you have a Twitter? At DJ Will Wonder. Um, Instagram's Will Wonder. I'm taking a, a bit of a social media break, and it's been great. But Good. you can go ahead and give me a follow. I'll be back on sometime soon. Cool. Hell yeah. You can obviously follow me at Gabino Grimes on Twitter, which is G-A-B-I-N-O-G-R-H-Y-M-E-S, and on Instagram at Gabino Grimes as well. And if you have any stories that you'd like to share, feedback, which I absolutely love, or any sort of comments just to let you know that you let me know that you love the show, uh, feel free to email me at shortstorybingo at yahoo.com. For myself, for Will, for Short Story Bingo, appreciate your time. And if you're taking a shower, awesome. If you're driving to work, dope. If you're working, cool. And if you just had some time while you were making supper, thank you for spending with me. Dun-dun-dun. Spare fingers. Yes.